everyone, and welcome to the Cornerstone Bible Church Women's Study in the Psalms. This is episode four. In this podcast, we'll take a look at a different psalm each week for eight weeks. I'm Audra, and I'm excited to be with you today as we dive into Psalm 90, A Communal Lament. This is the only psalm of Moses recorded in the Psalter, but it's not the only piece of poetry accredited to him. There are two other songs of Moses in the Old Testament. One is the Song of Deliverance from Egypt after the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 15. The other is recorded in Deuteronomy 32, just before his death. Psalm 90 is thought to come from a place of great sorrow for Moses. Some scholars believe the context could be Numbers chapter 20, where first Miriam dies, his sister, Then Moses sins by striking the rock in the wilderness, which kept him from entering the promised land. Then Aaron, Moses' brother, dies. Even though this sadness is echoed in Psalm 90, it does not have a bitter tone. Moses recognizes that man is sinful and frail, and that there is hope in God alone, who is his refuge and hope. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, being our dwelling place um, through all generations. And that is true for us today, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we will find shelter and rest in you today. Um, Help us to draw near to you, Lord, with our hearts. And help us to learn what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
let's take a look at the original meaning. In verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Moses uses the term Adonai for Lord as a sign of respect. The Hebrew word for dwelling, ma'on, means dwelling or habitation. Some ancient manuscripts read refuge. This lament begins and ends with the theme of confident trust in God. In verse 2, before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. What a beautiful way to describe creation. God existed even before the earth was formed. Moses uses the word El for God here. In verse 3, you turn man back into dust. In contrast, man is finite, mortal, not eternal, different from God. In verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday. God is not constrained by time the way we are as humans. And in verses 5 and 6, we see that mankind is frail, dies as easily as the grass withers or as a sweeping away from a flood. Verses 7 to 8 move to God's response to sin. For you have been consumed, for we have been consumed by your anger. You have placed our iniquities before you. God is angry by sin. His wrath will come down to judge and punish sin. Nothing is hidden from God. Even those, what we might think are secret sins, um, are just plain out there for God to see. So nothing is hidden. Verse 9 and our lives end in a sigh or whisper because of the weight of God's fury on our sin. The days of our life contain 70 or 80. Um, you know, our lives are short, nothing compared to God's a thousand years like a day to him, right? Even our short lives are full of labor and sorrow. Then our lives are gone. And in light of our mortality, in light of the seeming worthless existence of life, Moses asks God to teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom in verse 12. He is asking God to give meaning to our short days. In verse 13, do return, O Lord. In these final verses, Moses asks God to return to them. Here he uses the personal divine name for God, Yahweh. Verse 14 Moses asks for God to satisfy them with his loving kindness, that they would sing for joy and be glad all their days. His request for God's loving kindness seems like a stark contrast to the body of the psalm and God's fury and anger. Surely Moses has seen and experienced God's love over the span of his life. He knows it satisfies. And looking at the end of verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Moses sees an advantage to having God's favor upon himself and the people. And God's favor becomes the starting point for the work he has given. He moves back to using Adonai for Lord. We're going to move on to step two now, which is bridging the times. I was looking at verse 11, where it says, Who understands the power of your anger and the fury according to the fear that is due you? And I thought, you know, the only person I know who understands the power of God's anger is Jesus because he took all the fury for the sins of the world. All of our sins were laid upon him and he took the full punishment of God's judgment and wrath for us. And I was just blown away that I don't have to know 
the power of God's wrath um, because of my sins. But if I accept God's forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus, I can be free. Um, you know, it reminded me this week of um, my dog, Bella. She was digging while well, we saw the evidence of her digging a little hole in the backyard. And she doesn't really do that. Um, she's actually a really good dog. And my daughter, Samantha and I, we saw the hole and we saw Bella sitting there. We put our hands on our hips and we said, Bella, did you do this? And she looked at us with the saddest puppy dog eyes, you know, that you could ever imagine. And she looked so guilty and, you know, so she knew that she shouldn't have done it. But then after a minute, we decided to forgive her. So we said, okay, Bella, we forgive you. And we gave her a big hug. And she just got so excited and ran laps around the yard. I mean, she was ecstatic. And my daughter said, isn't that how it is when we're forgiven? I'm like, yeah, we get so excited. We could just run laps around our house, right? Because that's how amazing it is to feel forgiven. Um, it's like in verse 14, how we can be satisfied by God's loving ki kindness and sing for joy or run laps around the yard and be glad like Bella. Um, at the beginning of um, Psalm 90 in the first verse, I thought it was really interesting that Moses, a nomad essentially, would call God his dwelling place. Wasn't it his great desire to dwell in the promised land? One might even say this was the greatest need of their people, to have a permanent safe home or dwelling place. A people enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years, then wandering the desert for 40 years until their generation died away. And God was their dwelling place. God met their greatest, greatest need in himself. And God can be to us the answer to our greatest need. Do you need shelter? He is your dwelling place, Psalm 90. Do you need to be filled? He is the bread of life, John 6. Do you need rest? He calls, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Matthew 11. Are you alone? He will never leave you nor forsake you, Deuteronomy 31. Are you in need of forgiveness? He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103. I could go on and on. What is your greatest felt need today? Can you find a promise in the Bible to give you assurance of God's goodness in your life? And that brings us right into step three, uh, the application. When we pray that God would establish the work of our hands, it's asking that God would confirm it, secure it, make it succeed, but not for ourselves, but rather for the benefit of seeing God's work. For God is working in and through us. When Moses asked God to let his work appear in verse 16, then asked that God would establish the work of our hands in verse 17, there is a direct relationship between the two. It's acknowledging that God is the one who actually works in ways we can only imagine, while at the same time faithfully showing up to do the good work he has for us. There is the work God that God does, then there is also work for us to do. At the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdown last spring, I planted a victory garden in our backyard. We got the idea from old World War II stories. 
Although it would take time to see a harvest, it gave us something to tend to and anticipate the fruit of our labor. I went to our local nursery, Glendora Gardens, and purchased fresh soil, tomato, and cucumber plants, carrot seeds, lettuce seeds, flower seeds, and peas. I went to work right away to mix the new soil in with the old. I removed any old weeds or rocks, fashioned a simple trellis for the peas out of sticks and twine, and carefully planted the seeds and young plants. Over the days and weeks, I would check on the garden, water it, pluck any weeds, and remove the unwelcome moth caterpillars from the lettuces. Even though I did the work with my own hands, I was not responsible for the miracle of turning a lettuce seed into a bright green, crisp leaf for my salad. I had no control in making the carrots grow beneath the cool, dark earth. I had no magical powers for transforming small yellow blossoms into perfectly round, bite-sized tomatoes. Only God can do that work. As I was reading the end of Psalm 90, it struck me how my prayers echo much of Moses' prayer that God would establish the work of my hands. One thing he has given me in this season is raising children and educating them at home. There is plenty to do. Make mostly healthy meals, provide a clean and safe home atmosphere, give them my time, love, and attention, provide them with knowledge of the world through rich books. But I cannot ensure their growth. I cannot bring out my magic wand and ensure their so-called success in the world as adults. There are many things beyond my control as a person. But God is able to help them grow. God will guide their young hearts. My job is to come alongside them and encourage them to walk with the Lord. But that's all about I can do. The rest is up to God. So what does God have for you to do in this short life? Let's pray together that he would establish the work of our hands, that he would satisfy us with his loving kindness, and that we would rest in him our dwelling place. I'd like to read the lyrics to a beautiful hymn by Isaac Watts, inspired by Psalm 90 in 1708, Our God, our help in ages past. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Beneath the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills an order stood, or earth received her frame, from everlasting thou art God, to endless years the same. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its suns away. They fly forgotten as a dream, dies at the opening day. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our guide while troubles last and our eternal home. Thank you for joining me today for Psalm 90. Next week, we will take a look at Psalm 84, a praise psalm. You can find out more information about this study on our church's website, cbcglendora.org, and in the show notes. Feel free to share this podcast with anyone who might be interested. Thank you, friends. We'll see you next week.